Hallelujah. We give him glory. We give him praise just for who he is. Come on, come on. Don't stop chasing him because they left the stage. Uh, don't stop chasing him because they've stopped singing. Amen. That ought to be a worship that's on the inside of you because of what the Lord has done for you um, that nobody else has done. Has God done anything for you this week? Has God done anything for you this week? The Bible says, if so, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If he's done something, you ought to be saying something because of what the Lord has done for you. Once again, welcome um, to the Hope at Home, the Hope Well Experience, Hope Well Anywhere. We're so glad um, that you have tuned in. It is not by coincidence. Um, it's not by mistake. You're at the right place um, at the right time, and we thank and praise God for your being here on this morning. One quick thing I want to remind you of. Um, two, well, three things I want to remind you of real quick. Um, if you have not shared this, go ahead and share it with somebody. Go ahead and tag this is somebody they, so they can be a part of this life-changing word. Um, the second thing is this. I'm excited about next Sunday. Sunday, October the 18th. It is College Sunday. So I I need all of my John A. Logan students, SIU students, amen, to meet me here at the well next Sunday at 3 p.m. for a college Sunday drive-in service. If you are Greek, wear your Greek apparel, amen. If you belong to the kingdom of God, wear a cross, hallelujah. Just come on here, amen, and be with us as we lift up the name of Jesus. I know things are so different now, and we want to make sure that we touch our college students before um, the semester was over. So we want to get with you. Uh, we want to worship with you. We want to feed you you. Praise the Lord. We're going to have some food for you um, as well. Um, so make sure you're sharing the flyer. Make sure you're inviting somebody. Else. Just pull up in your car. If you got a little chair, sit this chair outside of your car in your parking space. Hallelujah. We're going to practice uh, physical distancing. Amen. Um, but we want you to, we want your face in the place in the parking lot um, so that we can meet you and connect with you and let you know um, that though you may be here for school, um, getting your get, getting a natural education, we want to also make sure that you get a spiritual um, education and you grow in your walk with the Lord. Um, so those that tune in on Facebook Live, don't worry, don't worry. You get to sleep in next Sunday for an extra few hours. We're going to go live at 3 p.m. right here from the well, 400 East Main Street, um, Car Carbondale, Illinois, for our College Sunday 2020 service. And then that following Sunday, uh, Sunday, October the 25th, we're going to celebrate 118 years of God's faithfulness and grace and mercy to the Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church with a drive-in celebration celebratory service next that Sunday, October the 25th at 3, no, not at 3, at 10 a.m., our regular morning worship time. So for those that call in for Sunday school, you have you will have time to get here to the well um, as we celebrate what God has done for us for the past 118 years. Can you believe that we have been in existence since 1902? It was the Reverend J.P. Brown um, that started the Hopewell Missionary um, Baptist Church. Amen. And we thank God for him and all the others that followed him, all the pastors um, that follow. I stand on the shoulders of some great men um, that God has used to be able to lead this church. I stand on the shoulders of some great men and women of God that have walked these doors. Many men, many people that have contributed so much to helping us to be who we are today. And I thank God for them. Let's get to the word of God. If you got your Bibles, go with me to Judges chapter 7. We're in part two of our series entitled Awakening the Champion Inside, Awakening the Champion uh, Within. I hope and pray that I stir something up in you this past Sunday um, as we did dealt with part one um, of this new series. I know that it's going to be a blessing to you as we look at the life of Gideon, just some unknown guy, some unpopular guy that God uses to be able to save an entire nation. Man, if God can use a nobody like Gideon, surely he can use you, use you and I. That's good news for us to know that you don't have to have a big name to be used by Jesus. You don't have to have a degree. That's all well and cool, but you don't need that. All you need is to say yes to the Lord, and he will use you in ways that you never imagined. Judges chapter 7, Judges chapter 7, verses 2 through 7. And it reads as this, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. God is something else. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home, leaving only 10,000 who were willing 
to fight. Oh, God, I would have been looking around if I was Gideon. Uh, what the devil just happened? I started off with 22,000, and I just make the announcement. If you are afraid, if you are timid, to go ahead and leave right now. And 22,000, not 22, 22,000 people leave. Now leaving it with only 10,000 who were willing to fight. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many. God, what do you mean? I, we just went from 22 to 10. And get this, they're having to fight 135 Midianites. And now they just have 10,000. But the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many. Bring them down to the spring, and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord said to him, divide the men into two groups. And one group. Put all of those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. And the other group put all of those who kneel down and drink with their mouth in the stream. Now they went from 22,000 to 10,000, and now God makes this announcement in verse 6. Now announcement is made in verse 6. Only 300 of the 10,000 men drank from their hands. All the others got down on their knees, drank with their mouths in the spring. Verse 7, the Lord said to Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. Wow. Wow, in my best Kenny voice. Wow. They go from 22,000 to 10,000 now to 300. I want to talk to you this morning from the subject Crossroad. Crossroad. I know you thought about that song by Bone Thugs and Harmony. I know. I hear you singing it right now. Crossroad. 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 Let's pray. Father God, we thank you right now for your word. Uh, we thank you for the power and the strength of your word. We don't have to add anything or take anything else away from it. Um, your word is powerful, potent all by itself. So God, we've already made up in our minds now that we're going to do whatever it is your word is calling us to do. That's a call to action um, that your word has given us. And we're going to adhere and say yes. God, we don't even have to know all the terms or the conditions, but we say yes now. Um, because we know that you get us just as you told Moses, just as you told Joshua, just as you told Gideon here. You're with us and you'll never leave us, nor will you forsake us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray and all of God's people said amen, amen, and amen. Crossroad, crossroad. We're in part two um, of this new series entitled um, Awakening the Champion within. I believe this, and I believe I'm correct by saying this, that in every last one of us, there is a champion that is waiting to be birthed on the inside. There's a champion. There, there, there's some courage. There's some, there's some boldness. There's some power that's at work on the inside of you that's on the edge and waiting for the opportunity to be able to make an appearance. Truth be told, truth be told, it's been on edge for a while. It kind of it, it pop up every now and then. Can I get an urgent? Can I get a nudge? I've been wanting to come forth, but for some reason we may have cowered out for some reason we may have bagged up for some reason we may not have been as vocal as we should have been or would have liked because of intimidation because of insecurities because of fear that we have allowed to be able to stop us from becoming everything that God has called for us to be but I believe I believe that you in the moment right now that we're in a moment in our lives right now that we must be like Gideon and begin to realize there are some people that are waiting on the champion within us to come alive. There's a nation, there's a community, there's a people, there's a select group of individuals that are waiting for the champion on the inside of us to come alive. And I believe this, you all, that despite what may be going on in our world right now, despite what we may be, what, what, what may be going on in our nation right now, this is a prime time for some Gideons, male and females, to be able to make their grand interest, not to brag or to boast on themselves, but we need some individuals like Gideon that can be able to realize that I cannot become what I need to be on my own. It's going to be through the power of God. It's going to be through the strength of God. It's going to be through the grace of God that I will become the champion that God has already predestined.
reason for me to be. I dare you right now to find somebody. I would tell you to stop, but I don't want to start no house fight. But find somebody in your house and tell them there's a champion on the inside of me. If you were in the sanctuary, I would tell you to do that. Find somebody and tell them there's a champion on the inside. Put your hands on yourself and say, there's a champion on the inside of me. Oh, but I believe this as well, saints of God, that, that there, there's going to be a crossroad that you and I are going to get to. There's going to be a crossroad where you and I are going to have to make some hard decisions. I know, I know, I know you don't like making decisions. I know you want somebody else to do the hard work, but here it is. Here's a decision that you are going to be able to make because nobody can make you to become the champion that you need to be. You have to have the desire to want to be the champion that God desires for you to be and once you accept that and realize God has graced you to do what you need to do you will get to a crossroad in your life pastor what's the crossroad I'm gonna get to here it is it's gonna be on the screens in just a second the crossroad is about the crossroad is about who you are now and who you will be tomorrow. Let me say it again. Let me slow down just a little bit. I get excited. When I get excited, I start talking real fast. The crossroad is about who you are today, uh -huh. who you are right now, and who you will be tomorrow. It's right here all in verse 6. It's right here in chapter 6. Right there. We, we got to go back for a little bit so that you can be able to understand the full scope, the full picture, the big picture of what God is doing here in the life of Gideon. We looked at um, verses 2 through 6 this past Sunday and we were looking at the life of Gideon for the very beginning as God has called him. God shows up to Gideon while he's at the bottom of the wine press. He had no business out there trying to thresh wheat at the bottom of the wine press. He should have been out on the hill, out there in the open, but he was trying to hide everything that he had in fear that the Midianites will pop in and show up on payday like locusts and take everything that he had and leave him to be able to starve. Gideon is there and an angel of the Lord appears to him and calls him a mighty man of valor. He calls him a man of strength. He calls him a man of power. He calls him a man of boldness. He calls him a man of courage. When he's feeling weak, God calls him something that he does not even see or believe for himself. He goes into this dialogue. He begins to read his resume to God and begin to tell God, God, you don't understand. You have not read. You don't know about my family background. You have not been to Ancestries.com to be able to see my, the lineage that I'm in. I am the least of my clan. I am the lowest in my clan. By all means, God, I appreciate you having faith in me, but I don't have enough faith in myself to believe that you can be able to use me to defeat 135 Midianites as if they were one man. Man, there's no way, God, that you can use me, Gideon, to be able to do such a thing. God almost has to check Gideon and almost to say, boy, I ain't asked you about your family. I ain't asked you where you came from. I didn't ask you what your last name was uh, because where you come from or who your family is and what your bloodline is has nothing to do with me projecting you and using you forward in life and in the future. I don't ask to see about your past. That's good news right there that God does not interview our past to see how well we can be able to do in the future. Somebody should have gave God praise right there. Other things may not be, other things may not move forward in your life because they're checking out your past looking at your credit history looking at your payroll looking at all of those things but God says listen in fact sometimes God wants to use folks that got jacked up backgrounds and, and come from jacked up families because he realized they're humble enough that I can be able to empower them with my grace and my strength to be able to do great things for me and they will never try to take the credit for it at all he says, I don't need you to tell me about your background. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's room. I know everything about you, Gideon. So I know where you come from. I know what your family line looks like. I know what your, what, what your bloodline looks like. But I still desire to use you. So Gideon, like some of us, he... Uh, begins to have a conversation with God. If you look at verses 19 and 20, um, Gideon begins, 19 through 21, Gideon begins to ask the Lord to give him a sign. 
I've heard preachers talk about this. Oh, I can't believe that Gideon will ask God for a sign. Did he not have enough faith? That's the problem now with the church. We don't have enough faith, but they missed the whole point. I just told you the brother was at the bottom of the wine press. I just told you last week. Did you forget what I said last Sunday? I told you last week that this man and the rest of Israel, now everything was going well. Everything was fine, but God turned them over to the Midianites for 70 years. This was God's way of drawing them back to himself. Everything was good. Everything was fine. But as soon as harvest time came, the Midianites along with the Amalekites would come and take everything that they had. No goat, no ox, nothing was left for, left for them to be able to eat. They were almost at the point of starvation. And so Gideon along with everybody else go and hide because they want to get away from the Midianites. They want to get away. They want to preserve everything that they have left because they don't know when. They don't know when the next similar check is going to come. Now we found out uh, this past week it may not come to after elections, uh, but they came to realize, hey, we don't know what we're going to do next. So Gideon hides what he has. At the bottom of the wine press, he's, he's low. He's depressed. He's disappointed. Because uh, he even tells God, he even talks to God and says, wait a minute, wait a minute. If you're with me, if you're with us, how come we're not seeing all the miracle signs and wonders that our forefathers and foremothers talked about? We're not, we're not, we're not, we're not seeing, we're not seeing all the miracles and the signs that they saw. If you're really with us, we would have saw that, wouldn't we, God? He's there. He's down. He's out. Gideon is not asking for a sign out of doubting God. Gideon is asking for a sign for God, from God, to, reassure, to for reinsurance for himself, to know that God is with him and that God is going to use him. Uh, we do the same thing. We do the same thing. God, if you just give me a sign, God, if I walk outside and if I get in the car and if Jodeci is playing, if 112 is playing, oh, my gosh, if Gladys Knight and Patty LaBelle are singing when I get in the car, God, I know you with me. He asked for a sign. He didn't really ask for that type of sign, but y'all get what I'm saying. He asked for a sign. Here's what he said. Here's what he said. Here's what he did. Here's what he did. He says in verse 20, the angel said to him, place the meat and the unleavened bread on this Rock and, and on this rock and pour broth over it. And Gideon did as he told. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the bread with the tip of the staff in his hand. And the fire flamed up from the rock and consumed all he had brought. And the angel of the Lord disappeared. When Gideon has that encounter with the angel of the Lord, he begins, he, he, he begins to humble himself and to realize, wait a minute, I gotta die now because I've come face to face. I've come face to face with the angel of the Lord. Now he begins to realize and God begins to reassure him that you're not going to die. You don't have to be afraid. And what he begins to do is he begins to offer a sacrifice to God. Because he wants to get stuff right. He wants to get stuff right. You have to understand that Gideon comes from a family that worship another God. That's what got them in trouble because they had turned their backs against God and began to worship the God of Baal. Now, the God of Baal is known to be the one that had power and influence over the weather. So after they have gone through this whole thing uh, with, with, with the Midianites and the Amalekites coming in and taking their stuff and not having any crops, I mean, they have sold good seeds. And every time payday came, Came around every time harvest time came around the enemy will come in the Midianites and the Malachites will come in and take up everything that they had so because this had happened they began to worship the God of Baal even more okay. God begins to deal with Gideon and say listen 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 I'm gonna use you Oh, but here's what you got to do. You asked me for a sign, but now I need you to set your house in order. God issues a command for him to go and to tear down and to destroy mm -hmm. that statue of Baal. He does it. He does what God tells him to do. And, 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 and the Bible says that after he does this, they come out, everybody else from his family come out because the Bible says he did this at night because he was afraid that the other people were trying to get, it, get him once they saw what he did. And so they woke up the next day, they realized the statue of Baal is gone, has been destroyed, and everybody is asking, who did, who done this, who did this? What is, how did this happen? Who would this be? Everybody said, oh, y'all know who that was. That was G. Gideon did. Y'all know. Ain't nobody else been around here talking crazy. Ain't nobody else been around here trying to follow after God. Now, he knows that we need Baal to, we need Baal to be able to give us good weather so that we can maybe have good crops and have something to eat before the Midianites and the Amalekites come in and, and his father steps in because now they want to take his life. And Gideon's father. 
father steps in and says, hey, wait a minute now. If Baal is as bad as he is, he don't need anybody to fight for him. He should be able to fight for himself. So Gideon, again, he goes and he asks all these signs with the fleece. He goes and asks all, all of these signs for God to make sure that God is on his side. He does that. And then we get to chapter 7. We get to chapter 7. We get to chapter 7. Now Gideon is at a real crossroad. Okay, man, you done defeated. You done defeated the God of Baal. You have taken down the God of Baal. They even changed his name and called him Jerubbabel because this was the man that fought against Baal and brought Baal down. That's a bad brother right there that when you do something so heroic amongst those around you that they change your name to bring significance of what you have done they nicknamed him and called him Jerubbabel so now we get here to chapter 7 I mean he he is he he sees that God is working within him he sees that God is going to use him he has the assurance that God's presence is going to be with him he's at a crossroad now God because God tells him hey I'm going to use you to take down the Midianites as if they were one man. He's at a crossroad now because Gideon has to realize that who I was yesterday cannot be who I need to be tomorrow. Gideon has to remind himself who I was in chapter 6 cannot be the same guy in chapter 7 because God is working with me in my identity. God is helping me to be able to find myself in him. God is giving me the reassurance of his presence. God is letting me know that he's with me and that he's going to grace me and that he's going to strengthen me to be able to do what he has called for me to do. And here it is, man, a woman of God. You're at a crossroad in your life right now where you have to make up in your mind that I am not going to end 2020 with the same person I was at the beginning of 2020. You have to make up in your mind that I'm at a crossroad right now, that the same person I was at the beginning of the pandemic is not going to be the same person at the end of the pandemic. I may have been weak back in March, but oh my gosh, his strength has been made perfect in my weakness from March all the way up until October, and I will dare not revert back. Let me challenge you, man. A woman of God, please, 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 with everything that's in you, I know that what God may be calling you to be may look intimidating. I know what God may be saying to you may sound real crazy, but I need you to put your feet down in the sand and pull your pants up and make up in your mind, I'm not going back to who I was. I'm going to embrace what God has called me. I'm going to believe what God says about me, and I'm going to become the champion that God wants me to be. I'm going to become the champion that my city needs, that my community needs, that my world needs, that my family needs. I'm going to rise to the occasion. Be what I need to be and not revert back because here it is, saints of God. It's easy to go back. It's safe to go back. It's comfortable to go back. But it's something within you that says, when I realize that God's hand is upon my life, when I realize that God has graced me for this, I, it will be a slap in God's face to go back and be a coward again. It will be a slap in God's face to revert back to my old timid ways and not embrace the boldness and the power that He wants to awaken. On the inside of me. Here it is, here it is, here it is. This is this is crazy, y'all. This is crazy. We get here uh, to chapter 7, and God is setting this whole thing up now. Gideon, I'm going to use you. Remember what he said in chapter 6? I'm going to use you um, to fight them as if they were one man. I'm going to use you. I'm going to use you. You asked me for three signs, and every sign that you gave me, I responded back to it. So you know I got you, boy. You know you're my boy. You know you're my guy now. So I'm going to strengthen you and empower you to be able to do what you would not be able able to do on your own. Yeah. Gets there. Look at verse 3. Look at verse 2. Look at verse 1. I'm joking. Just want to see if you're paying attention. Look at verse 2. He said, the Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If you if you let all of them fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people whoever is timid, who is afraid, may live, leave this mountain and go home. So 22 of them went home, leaving only 10,000. Here it is. I can only imagine with my sanctified imagination 
that Gideon is there, he sees an army of 22,000 behind him. Get a little confidence, man, yeah, we can do this. I got 22, that's it, he's strong. Ooh, look at that. He's strong, he's real strong, he's strong, strong. I got him, oh, I know he knows how to work a hammer, he can do an axe, yeah, he got that bow and arrow, his daddy taught him, great-grandfather showed, showed him how to shoot a bow and arrow, so he's good, we're good, but I, I got my main line, I got my backup, we're straight. God said, wait a minute, get in. Send some attacks. All right, God, what, what you, got too many. God, did you... Do you realize I'm going up against 135,000 Midianites? The Bible said that even when they came in to get, the, to, get to, to get the food and to get the crops, they came in like locusts. I mean, it was many of them, a legion of them. And you're telling me that I got to go from 22,000 to 10? And here it is. He has 22,000, and all he does is turns and face them and say, hey, crew, who's ever afraid, who's ever timid, y'all go ahead and go. Who's ever scared, go ahead and go. Now, I know Gideon was thinking, oh, man, I, my, my crew is tight. We good. We straight. He turned around. Oh, whoa. 20, 22. Ten. I just got 10,000. I got to fight 135,000 people. Can I tell you something? That in you becoming and awakening the, awakening the champion on the inside of you, uh -huh. every now and then you got to do a crowd check. You got to do a crowd check. You got you, you got to do a crowd check because you want to know, you want to know who's really flowing with you. Change up your pace. Change up your speed. Either speed up or slow down and you will begin to see who's really on your team. I'm realizing, I'm realizing now when it comes to leadership, a great leadership lesson in this is that you have to, you, but leaders have to become their own DJ and begin to pick the rhythm of the song to be able to pick up, the set, to be able to set the pace and to set the cadence because here it is. If you don't set the pace, if you don't set the cadence, folks will do whatever it is they want to do when they want to do when they feel like doing it and you cannot be in a battle with folks who will pick and choose where they want to be a warrior and where they want to fight you gotta have a set team that when you say let's go let's go let's ride out let's do what we need to do you don't need somebody say well hold on a minute i gotta balance my checkbook hold on a second i gotta look at this though you need folks to say hey wherever you headed i'm right behind you and i'm ready for war you need folks that are focused you need people that are paying attention you need people that are paying attention. You need people that are paying attention and know what's going on. So you have to change up your pace and your cadence to see who's really rolling with you. That's what Gideon does right there. This is what God has Gideon to be able to do. He takes him from 22,000 and takes him to 10. Here it is. You can't help what happens to you, but you can pivot from it. God swims, you preaching good in here, sir. You can't help what happens to you. Do you realize how much power we would have in our hands if we were able to pick and choose what happened to us? <laughs> Do you realize how our testimonies would be none and void if we were able to pick and choose what we experience in life? We would never have a testimony. Because we will never experience pain, heartache. We will move all of that aside to have all the good moments and, and no tears and, and happy moments and, and good moments and blessed moments. You and I cannot choose. Cannot help what happens to us. But we can pivot from it. Here it is. Gideon teaches us something about pivoting. All of my basketball fans out there, y'all know I love me some sports. I'm having a field day right now with the NBA Finals and all this stuff going on. And for anybody that really knows me, knows that I am just talking a whole bunch of hogwash right now. Y'all know. Y'all know that. Y'all know that. Y'all know that. But we're going to throw this word in there anyway because I have a team of people here at the well. i got to change up my pace that think I know nothing about basketball at all. So I'm going to prove to them today, not in the flesh, but in the spirit of God that I do know a little something, something, something about basketball. There is a word called pivot. And that word means when you watch a basketball game, my mind goes back to Michael Jordan and, and, and Scottie Pippen. I know y'all know nothing about Clyde Trestler, Drexler and all those guys like that. But my mind goes back to that because when you pivot, they, you have a player, they have the ball. 
And so they have to keep one foot in place while holding the ball so that they can be able to move one foot into another direction. They have to be able to do that because if they don't do it and they make the wrong move with the wrong foot, it's going to be a violation. They're trying to keep the game going. They're sitting there and they're having to make up in their mind in what direction am I going to go? Am I going to bounce the ball or am I going to throw the ball? They cannot control the position that they have gotten in. They cannot control what has happened to them, but they can be able to strategically pivot their way out of it. Gideon teaches us that right now because he's there. He has the ball in his hands. He has the mission in his hand. God tells him, you are going to defeat the Midianites as if they were one man. But here it is, Gideon. I'm not going to allow you to have control over your team. I'm not going to allow you to have control on who's on your team. I'm not going to allow you to have control about the numbers of people that you have on your team. I want to see how you're going to pivot your way out of this. I want to see how you are going to strategically move and navigate in this moment. He said, think about it, think about it. Put it in your mind right now, basketball game, basketball court. They got the ball in their hands, they're dribbling the ball, and they stop, and they're pivoting. They got their foot out, they're pivoting. I'm trying to in the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to in the Holy Ghost. Help me, Holy Ghost. I'm trying to pivot right I'm trying to pivot. Y'all ain't ready for me. Let this pandemic get over y'all. I'm going to take all y'all on the court. All 135,000, I'm going to take you out on the court as if you was one man. I'm ready for you, Holy Ghost. I'm running about two miles every other day. I'm ready for you when we get out there. So he's there. He's got the ball in his hands. And he's got the mission in his hands about what he is to do and what he is to accomplish. And he's sitting there looking at everything that's around him. And God says, hey, Here's what I want you to do. Uh-huh. You know, went from 22,000 to 10,000. Uh-huh. But he tells them, you still got too many. Wow. Here it is, thanks to God. Here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. Once we get to this crossroad, y'all, we got to pivot. Somebody say pivot. Somebody pivot. say pivot. Somebody say pivot. Somebody say pivot again. Pivot. We, once we get to this crossroad, we're going to have to pivot. Pastor, what do we got to pivot into? Here's the first thing. You have to pivot into your God identity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, because I told you the same Gideon that we were introduced to in chapter 6 is not the same Gideon um, that we see right now. The Gideon that we saw in chapter 6, he was one that was at the bottom of the wine press. I mean, trying to hide everything that we got. But from, from chapter 6 all the way to chapter 7, we have seen Gideon walk into and awaken the champion that's down on the inside of him that he has enough guts. Even though he did it at night, he had enough guts to be able to take out the family idol of Baal to, in order to be able to please God. In fact, they named him Jerubbabel because he had taken down the God of Baal. We see him here now. He's there. He's focused. He knows what God has called him to do, but here's what he's having to do. He's still having to move into his God identity. What do you mean, Pastor Swims? Because Gideon, right there in chapter 7, even though he hears God's commands, as God is saying, you got too many with 10,000. You got too many with 22,000. You got too many with 10. And he keeps taking the number down and down and down. Gideon realizes, hey, I'm not going to pivot towards myself, but I'm going to pivot into my God identity. That's why Gideon was able to be comfortable in seeing the decrease in numbers because why? He was able to lean back on what God said in chapter 6 that you are not going to do this in your own strength. You're not going to fight them by yourself, but I'm going to be with you and I'm going to grace you. Here it is. Many of us, we make the mistake in this in pivoting towards ourselves instead of God. And when we pivot towards ourselves, I hate to make the announcement to you that you become an own idol to your own self and that an idol's name is pride because you're, t- you're dependent upon yourself and how self, how am I going to get through this self? How, we, how am I going to figure this out? How am I going to get through this? But getting realizes I don't have to pivot towards myself. I'm going to pivot to the one that's the author and the finisher of my faith. Here it is, saints. I miss it. I miss going to the Carbondale Middle School basketball games. There's a lady there. 
one of the school secretaries. Everybody know her, Miss Patsy, Patsy Rogers. Anybody that know Miss Patsy knows that she loves her some basketball. She loves her some middle school and high school basketball. There's not too many games that Miss Patsy will miss because she loves going and rooting on the Carbondale Middle School Cougars or the Carbondale Community High School Terriers. And she would be there at the game. And you don't have to wait so too long to see where Miss Patsy is because sooner or later, you're going to hear Miss Patsy. You're going to hear her and you're going to see her. That's nothing because when her daughter was playing, she would be right there on the court. Plenty of times, brothers have to say, ma'am, you can't cross that line. You got to stay in your place. Plenty of times, she was darn near over there right next to the coaches trying to coach the rest of the team. And one lesson that her daughter had to learn, but even though my mama means well and she loves me and, she's, and she wants to support me and she's only making all these noise, giving her all these commands because she wants me to do well, the daughter had to learn that I, no matter all the noise that I hear, no matter what's going on in the background, I got to keep my ear so that I can be able to hear the coach. I got to keep my ear so that I can be able to hear what the coach is saying. And I want to tell somebody today that despite the other voices you may hear, you got to keep your ear towards heaven so that as you're trying to pivot, that you're making sure that you have an ear to be able to hear what God is saying and that whatever God is saying, that I am doing exactly what God says, when God says to do it and how God says to do it. Because if I don't pivot towards God, I will pivot towards myself or someone else. And they will become an idol. They will become the one I run to for influence. They will become the one that will have my ear and not God. Have you ever pivoted to the wrong voice? (laughs) Have you ever given in to the wrong voice? And you wonder, why am I so late at getting to where God wants me to be? Why am I so late in becoming what becoming into what God designed for me to be? And we want to blame the devil, Sister Greta. We want to blame the devil. We get in praise and worship. I'm going to give the devil a black eye because of what he did for me, because of what he did to me. No, truth be told, it's not the enemy you should be giving a black eye to. It should be yourself. Because you were the one that turned your attention away from God and allowed someone else, someone else, some other voice to have more influence. Oh, then God turned to your neighbor's neighbor. He wasn't talking about, he wasn't talking about me. He wasn't talking about you. He was talking about the one a few seats down, a few seats down. Pastor, you in an empty sanctuary. I know, just roll with me for a moment. Just roll with me for a moment. So I got to pivot. I got to pivot into my God, my God identity. Everybody say God identity. I got to pivot into my God identity. But here's the last thing before I, I get out of here this morning. Here it is. He has to do, the, the Gideon has to pivot into God's sufficiency. Look at it. It's right there. It's all there in the text. It's all there in the text. He tells him, when Gideon took his warriors down, verse 5, when Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told him, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup water in their hands and lap it up with their tongues like dogs. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Verse 6, only 300 of the men drank from their hands, and all the others got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. Verse 7, the Lord told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send the rest of them home. Wait a minute. He's got the ball in his hands. He's got the mission in his hands. He's having, he's having to make a decision. He, he, he's having to pivot. He's having to make a decision on which direction am I going to go? Mm-hmm. What's going to be the best move to make? Do, do I take my shot? Do I pass it? Do I, do I dribble some more? What am I going to do? Gideon takes that moment, that time, to pivot into his God identity of what, of what God has already done in him, to, be, to, to continue to lean and depend upon the grace, the, the strength, the courage that God has given him. Mm. And now, God tells him, I want you to get your guys. God's so strategic. I want you to get your guys, put them in two groups. One group, I want you to put those that drink water, but they, they cup their hands to be able to get the water. And then in the next group, I, 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 I want you to put the men who kneel down and, and put their face 
and their mouths into the stream to be able to drink. Why does God do this? Because again, if Gideon is going to be a great champion, mm-hmm. he's going to have a great team. Right, right. And you're only a champion, a great champion, if you've got a good team that's behind you and supporting you. So Gideon, God realizes what Gideon needs, and he tests, he, set the, he sets up these tests to be able to see what he's rolling with, what he's working with. And the guys that stand and, and, and they cup the water in their hands and they drink, he says, God says, those are the individuals I want to use because if you're going to be in battle, I don't need your face and your mouth engulfed in the stream of water because you're vulnerable and the enemy can come up and take you out. But I need those that will still be standing with their hands down in the water, drinking water, but looking at the same time. (laughs) I need to know that I got some folks that's watching and got my back at the same time. I need to know that there are some people that are aware and open, their eyes are open to see what may happen at any moment, at any season. God says, uh, now I want you to pivot into God's sufficiency. Pastor, what do you mean by pivoting into God's sufficiency? Gideon has to make up in his mind. I'm going to believe that I will be able, because God said so, take out 135,000 Midianites with 300 men. You got to pivot. Into God's sufficiency. Yes. You gotta pivot into God's sufficiency. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta pivot into God's sufficiency. Pastors, what do you mean? Because hey, in becoming a champion and God awakening the awakening the champion on the inside of you, there are some things that's just not gonna make sense. And because they don't make sense, I need something, Greta, that I can be able to fall back on that will be a support and be an anchor. And that support and that anchor has to be God's sufficiency in what he has already said. If God said, I'm going to defeat 135,000 Midianites with 300 men, notice here that Gideon does not go back and forth with God. I got to believe, though, that his human side rises up just a little bit and anxiety and fear may want to creep up but then what he has to pivot right back into his God identity I'm not going back to fear I'm not going back to depression I'm not going back to anxiety but I am walking into the champion that God says I can be I'm going to pivot into my God identity I'm going to pivot into God's sufficiency and know that God has more than enough Could it be that we don't accept or embrace God's sufficiency? Because we keep trying to make stuff make sense. And we're like, wait a minute, God. Okay, okay. I, I, I hear you. I hear you. But listen, God, help, help, God, help me understand this. And, and, and we're still trying to trace God. We're still trying to track God down. We're, we're still trying to make God make sense. There are some things that won't make sense. It does not make sense that 300 men are going to take out 135 trained right. soldiers. Right. 135,000, thank you. Midianites that have defeated them before countless times. And Israel looks like weaklings in the Midianites' eyes but he's resting in God's sufficiency. The less is more. It's not, it's not because the truth be told that we're, we're seduced by numbers. We like numbers. The more the merrier. We like it. It adds value to our self-esteem. It helps hide a little bit of our insecurities. And we rest in numbers. And God isn't, he's not impressed with numbers. God is drawn to your trust. Our trust. Our trust in him. 
is there at this crossroad. And leaving who he is right now to entering into who he'll be tomorrow. Everything he's asked God to do, every sign, God's met the request. Along the way, Gideon is having to trust God like he never has before. All right, God, I'll take down Baal. I, I, I will, I'll take the risk of being isolated from my entire family and taking down our family God. All right, God. I'll take my 22,000 and fight 135,000. All right, God. I will go from 22,000 now to 10,000. All right, God. I'll go from my 10,000 to 300. Each level, each subtraction is causing for a greater level of trust from Gideon to God. God is letting Gideon know that with me, you, and 300, we can get it done. And I don't know who I'm preaching to this morning, but you think you don't have enough. You don't think you have enough to be able to do what God has called you to do. Are you forgetting the assurance of God, the confirmation that God has given you in his presence, that I'm with you? That of course you cannot do this on your own. Of course you can't do this by yourself. But I will empower you. I will strengthen you. I will grace you. I will work through you. Have you forgotten? That he said you would take them out as if they were one man. You're at a crossroad. But let me tell you, you can't go back. No, you can't go back. You, you can't go back. There, 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 there's, there's too much on the line now. You can't go back. You cannot go back to being a coward. You can't go back. You can't go back and live in anxiety. You can't go back. You're going to have to trust God. Yes. And pivot into your God identity, who God says you are. You're going to have to trust God and pivot into God's sufficiency. That he sees more than I do. So old saints would say, well, I'm trying to figure it out. He's already worked it out. Let me pray for you this morning. Because I don't want you to go back. You don't, the honest truth is you don't want to go back either. But we will allow fear to paralyze us and cause us to miss, to miss the greatest invitation of God working in and through us. I made up in my mind that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to the old swims. I'm not, I'm not revert, revert, I'm not going back. I can't even get the word. I'm not, I'm not going back to old ways and hey, if I don't got the majority on board, that I'm not gonna make a move. I'm not going back. Not going back of fear robbing me and paralyzing me from making a move out of fear of what others will think. Neglecting the power and the work of God in my life.
I want to pray for you this morning because I don't want you to go back. You don't want to go back. I know it's comfortable to go back. I know, I know, I know it was easy. It's easy to go back. But let me tell you, whatever it is you have to sacrifice, whatever it is it will cost you to walk into and to awaken the champion that's on the inside of you, it is worth every tear. It's going to be worth every sweat. It's going to be worth it. Don't go back. 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 You can't, you can't go back because there, there's a nation of people that's waiting on you and waiting on the champion on the inside of you to come alive. Father, in the name of Jesus, I lift up every man and woman of God that's watching right now. I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, I pray that you will close the door to go back. I pray that you will close the opportunity to go back. I pray, Lord God, that they won't answer the invitation to go back, but that they will move forward in you, Father God, embracing how you're moving, Father God, embracing what you're saying to them, embracing what you're showing them, oh God. Oh, I know, I know it's easy to be comfortable, Father God, but we're not, we're not looking for comfort. We need courage, God. We need courage. We're not looking to go back, but we're looking for boldness, God. To move forward in you, to move forward in your sufficiency. Even when it doesn't make sense. I got to trust that what you said is enough, even when it doesn't look like enough to me. We're done fighting it. We're done fighting. We're, 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 we're done hiding the champion. We're done. We're done. We're coming out the cave. We haven't been grace for the cave. We're coming out the cave. Grace isn't needed for the cave. We need cave for the. We need grace for the journey. We need. We need grace for embracing the 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 the, the, the champion within. We don't need grace for the for the cave. But we need. We need. For the journey. So I pray that you will lay aside your fears, lay aside your anxieties, lay aside your worries, and just trust them. Just trust them. Put your full weight in them. Just trust them. Just trust them. Just trust him. Just trust. Don't go back. Because the champion. It's ready for you to enter into your tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, you may be watching right now. And you may not be a believer of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you've never asked the Lord into your life, if you've never asked the Lord to be your Savior, I invite you today to make the Lord Jesus Christ your personal, yours, your Savior, your Lord. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Then you, ma'am, you, sir, can be saved right now. No matter where you are, you can be saved. Your resume doesn't make a difference. Your past doesn't make a difference. He can save you right where you are. And if that's you, put it in the comment section right now. Put, I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. I want the Lord Jesus Christ in my life, in my heart. I want them to walk with me. I want them to talk with me. Today can be your day of salvation. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till the doors open back up. Today can be your day of salvation.